right, in three, two, one, we are live and recording live and back again. Codecast Season 2 Furious Competitor Series recording live from the locally famous, soon to be nationally famous, Remax Next Office in the West Loop. Here with my good friends Alejandro and Mike. Fellas, how we doing? Doing great after that introduction. Yeah, Sorry, that yeah. Was, it's pretty excited. good for a person off the cuff. Completely yeah, made well, that off. All yeah, right. Uh, soon to be a national institution. Yeah. Wow. We can only we'll go down. Da- yeah. Take we, a trim bit. We can only go downhill from here. All right. We're starting off good. Um, so, interesting story of how I know. I've come to know Alejandro and Mike. So, Alejandro, we were saying we met six years ago or seven years Gosh, ago? Gosh, man. It's been, yeah, it's six, six years ago. That's a. Uh, it's a long time. It is a very long time. Um, remember the time I was like, I was a realtor and like, I remember you specifically sharing with me this vision of like, I want to eventually like create this own thing and like something that's new and exciting and different. Yeah. Um, and I openly admit, you know, I hear in my line of work a lot of dreams and goals and visions and a lot of them of that grandiose scale might pick up some steam, but they die out. But one of the coolest things for me to watch this entire time is you guys have built this. Like the vision that was casted, it was built. Um, and just like the consistent growth of every time I was hanging out with you guys, like it's getting bigger, it's getting bigger and thinking bigger. And so not only from the fact of sharing with the listeners how you guys built this, but how big you guys think, I think is pretty cool. So it's not just like thinking, what's the next step? You guys are always thinking like, what's the next 10 steps ahead, which is a huge valuable lesson. So I'm really excited to have you guys on here. Obviously, I know a lot of your guys' stories, but I both think they're really cool. Can you guys just, in a summation, share with the listeners, millions of listeners uh, worldwide, how you guys got into the real estate business just to begin with? Oh, it's, uh, I, I think we, we have probably some of the most interesting stories because I guess you, if you hear this, you ask this question a lot, you kind of get a little bit of the same, but our stories are complete opposites to each other, but yet they still work, right? Like. I'm gonna let Mike go because I'm a huge fan of his story and, and the way that it comes out. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we gotta set the bar. Um, yeah. So interesting enough, I growing up, I was really kind of fed the whole like corporate America, corporate America. Go to college, get the degree, go join corporate America. My parents grew up, you know, they're baby boomers, so they grew up in that generation. That's what their parents told them. So my mom just kind of instilled that into me. So that's what I did. I graduated college, moved out to Boston, and I quickly found out what corporate America was like. You know, it wasn't the glorified way that my mom had kind of portrayed it. So in uh, 2009, I just literally quit my job. Uh, it was a recession. The economy was, was garbage, obviously. It was tough times. So yeah. Housing market was, was junk. Um, so I just, I just quit. I had nothing lined up. I just moved back home, back with my parents. And uh, I actually tripped into real estate. I fell into it. It wasn't something I came home and said, I'm going to be a realtor. I've, uh, I've, I'm a finance guy. I've always liked finance. So I just called my cousin, who's a, a realtor, about just investing in REITs, actually. Cody, you would know yeah. REITs, right? And uh, I had no money. I mean, I had like $2,000 to my name and like an 03 Honda Civic. And whatever the heck I could pack into it, <laughs> what I own. Right. Thankfully, I had parents that were at least generous enough to like, you know, open a door for me. Um, to come back to so then I just kind of like fell in love with it you know she started telling me about it I got excited it was entrepreneurial and I knew that the effort I put in was what 
I was going to get out of it. Whereas no matter how hard I worked in corporate America, I wasn't yeah. going to do anything, right? Totally. Like total office space mentality, you know, Lumberg's stock was up half a point. So <laughs> I was, uh, so I was enthralled by it, jumped in head first, no safety net, no money really. And then just basically took off from there. And there's some other stories that go along with that. I won't bore the, the listeners about that, but that's how I got into real estate initially. Got it. Yeah, it's uh, the the fun part about it is how it just be, it just became what Mike is now. That 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 little pivot point, the sliding door, I guess, effect. That's that's the part that was interesting about you know further into that story. Um, but I'm a huge fan of it because it's like everyone's you know kind of like oh you know I've always liked to do this, like to do that, but like how he fell into it from one complete opposite to another, like, that's pretty cool. It's, it's just, evolving. Totally. And I think the fact, too, that a lot of times you hear folks saying, like, when I save up this much money or when I'm at this point in my life or I'm at here, I'm going to start a business. But, like, you're talking, I got two jacks and an 03 Honda Civic. Yeah. Great car. Probably would still be running today. These yeah, guys. If, you know what, man? If, like, if a drunk driver didn't trash it when I was sleeping, thankfully I wasn't in the car, I was still in that thing, man. Those things run forever. Right. Another story, if we get a chance to it, these guys, anyone that knows me knows my affinity towards building large size engines. These guys are the only two people that have basically almost sold me on an electric car like four <laughs> times over now. And I'm really starting to take the bait. Yeah, we're uh, waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alejandro, can you share with us your story? of? You know, mine was, uh, mine, mine was kind of crazy. I had no aspirations to become a real estate agent or anything with it. But as, as a youngin, I, I did always had a huge uh, you know, love for architecture. Uh, I, I, did, I took a lot of CAD classes in high school, you know, but unfortunately the, uh, the music roadie kind of scene followed me and I took down that road, which I still kind of regret to the day, but I learned a lot about life. But I've always, I was intrigued with architecture to a, pro, to a point where, you know, I was already married at the point and you know, my father-in-law was, it's a huge aspiration for a lot of the things that I do now. You know, Cody, you met him. Great guy. You know, so God bless his soul. And, um, you know, at that time, you know, he had already owned property. He had investment properties and he was looking to buy more and he was working with somebody and that somebody, it just ended up being a big douchebag and it just did not work out. It was just like, you know, it's hard to find good people and at the time, you know, when 2007, 2008, when the, uh, you know, everyone was jumping out of it. So, you know, he just kind of said, hey kid, like, uh, I think you should get your license because uh, we can we can find anybody better here. So we might as well pay you. Yeah. So I was like, all right, great. You know, uh, got into it, got, you know, literally got my license in 30 days because I was working a full-time job and my son Jackson was baby fresh. I mean. You know, it was very hard to find time to do it, uh, and yeah, took a light, took my course, got pat, uh, passed my exam, thirty days, and you know, eight years later, here I am with this guy. <laughs> Which I think is it's so cool because they're so totally different stories, it's and like one thing too, I always appreciate because I followed you on Instagram for so many years is like Jackson's always with you, like all, and that's the thing I think a lot of like guys that I work with that run businesses sometimes struggle with like, Oh, I'm running this. And like, I don't know, like I think of being a dad suffering, but you found this cool web yeah. where it's always like, I've seen him going on showings too. So yeah. I don't know if that's part of like the secret sauce of like, they might yeah. tell you no, but I don't know if they want to tell him no. Right. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously I, I don't, wouldn't take him in a specific scenario, but plenty of times like, Hey kid, you're coming with me. He has a couple of suits he's wearing. I taught him about the charm. I taught him about the sales pitch. So he's he's gotten it. Totally. Um, and it's very hard. It's like, I, I think we all kind of, 
you know, struggle with finding a very good balance of life and work. And, and it took me a while from realizing, I'm like, I'm just going to take you with me, kid. Yeah. You're going to pick this up eventually. So yeah. you find, you learn more in doing than you do in, yeah. you know, reading about it, any given scenario. Yeah. I've never actually heard this story. And I'm curious to know this now. How did you guys meet each other then? Twitter. Really? No. No. Oh, <laughs> no, we joke match.com, match.com. but that, that, that one's kind of played Tinder. out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't was Grinder, so it was just kind of I had an account there, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was interesting. So, like, I had, uh, when I started Remax Nexus with someone else, a different partner, and that just didn't work out. We were just on two different paths. So, like, at that point, I had gotten rid of my partner already. And Alejandro joined Remax Next with uh, another agent and more from their Remax brokerage. And so then I was kind of running solo with uh, one of, a woman that was working with us at the time. Um, but I, I knew if, to do what my vision was and ultimately Alex became a part of that was I couldn't do it alone. There's no chance, right? It's just too much. Like we could, we could either stay really small and I could manage or we can grow big and that's the plan to grow big. So I started thinking like who else would I want to partner with? And I was looking externally, internally, um, but Alex and I really kind of hit it off. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start vetting this guy. And he didn't know this for about a year. I put him through the, through the grinder. I asked him questions, random things left and right, so scenario based questions. stuff. I'm like, dude, stop bothering me. I'm like, I don't, I don't answer your yeah. stuff. I got a bunch of things. Tons of them. Um, Tons of them. Then I had I did property list uh, properties with him too, you know, to see like how does he work, what's his style, yeah. and realized that, that we it just made sense. The the one thing I was really looking forward to or really looking to is somebody who thinks differently than me mm-hmm. and be willing to not not have a hard time telling me no or challenging me. You know, I could be very dominating conversations. I could be very much like aggressive with ideas, but I need someone who's kind of actually take that step back and kind of be like, all right, that's cool, but maybe not. Like, what else could we do with this type thing? Just because my brain will wander off if we don't make a stop point on that. How much of that having opposite opinions, or not opposite opinions, but different mindsets, would you attribute to the growth of this place of how fast it's been built? I mean, I think tremendously. I mean, I think uh, a lot of it, honestly, because, I mean... Yeah, there's one person that can drive the car, right? But having a good, you know, shotgun, a good co-pilot makes a huge difference. And, you know, they're able to see things in a different perspective, kind of see accidents, kind of see bumps along the road coming. And to me, it's like having another driver out there, right? Like imagine if there was two drivers in a car, there would be never, there'd be no accidents. Yeah. If one fails, the other one got you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, and if you look at just successful businesses, I mean, I think the, like especially the recent years, right? Like so, we had the you know with all these tech companies, like and then all of a sudden this open work environment, this open sharing of an ideas environment came out, and you saw where those companies excel. But those companies that had like that top down mentality have maybe grown, but on a slower scale than a lot of these other companies. And that's because like if you have an open sharing of an ideas, and you're not afraid to challenge each other, knowing it's in the right context, and like we're not gonna going to like fisticuffs or anything like that we're literally going like if he tells me that's not a good idea i'm not going to take it personally totally. but he's going to tell me that so then my brain might go 
okay, well, that's, it is a terrible idea, but what else can we do with it? Like, is there another path that we can go down? Yeah. And that bouncing back and forth where we have these meetings usually on a weekly basis where it gets like that. Like, he comes up with an idea, he'll pitch it to me. I'll take it, maybe put a little bit of a spin on it, it goes back to him. Like, we're almost just passing the ball back and forth to form something and then decide, is it worth implementing or not? Yeah, really thorough, real thorough explanation and realizing, I mean, there's some stupid ass ideas that I come up with and I'm like, ah, what do we do with this, this and this? And he's like, yeah, but you forgot about that part. I'm like, never mind. that was the dumbest <laughs> idea ever. Scratch. <laughs> right. I, and just looking at this now, like what you guys have created, one thing I always, always try to make sure we talk about on this thing because... I think you guys see this in society. You guys deal with this a lot because you. I'll pause here and say Mike and Alex are way better at making content. Like their stuff's refined, it's clean. They got the lighting and stuff like that. Way better follows on Instagram. I'll put their profiles in like the you know description show. But one thing that you guys never shied away from, and I think you do a really good job of telling the tale. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that I'll follow on Instagram shortly. Then I'll probably unfollow them because it just makes me irate of them just showing off the good life mm -hmm. you guys are really cool at not overblowing that and for years i mean years watching you guys just crank out nuts hours for a long run can you speak to that of like just so people don't assume like all oh, these guys got lucky we're in the right market found the right partnership can you speak to the amount of work it took to build this to where it's at oh it's it, i mean if you would say 100 hours a week it's it's spot on and I think most people will never reach that point because it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, Mike, in the beginning, he started off early. And, you know, he could test a lot of that work in the beginning that I was never really there. And I, I always asked him, like, man, how the hell do you do this alone? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there, there was a lot of nights, a lot of, a lot of planning, a lot of execution, a lot of actually getting those ideas on, 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 to, on paper, but then actually executing from them. That that was a that was a lot, and and not only that because, you know, think about it. You're you're trying to grow a business. You have your own personal business. You're trying to be the best father that you can, the best husband that you can, and then you're trying to deal with everything else that life throws at you. And you know that's that's hard to juggle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're we're so used to like in society of just seeing the final polished product, right? And that's what we see after all that work went into it, but. If you look at artists, if you look at you know musicians or businesses, it's all that long tail work and grinding and hustle that went into to seeing that polished product. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like an artist will pop up overnight. We're like, oh my god, this overnight sensation! It's like no, I mean, if you actually look at the history, I mean, they've been grinding out in clubs for years, and it, it finally all culminated where all that work compounded to the point where now they're being noticed. They didn't just wake up one day and they're crazy successful. They're not Kardashians, right? That just doesn't happen where they start on third base. Like yeah. so, th when you see the people that actually ha like have gotten to a level of success, it's because they basically took years of just failing, adjusting, pivoting, or whatever you want to call it, but then falling forward every single time so that they do hit that mark at some point. Is don't know when it's gonna be, but it'll happen though. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've recently had some pitfalls in, in a venture that we're trying to do now, and, and that hurt, you know, we're like, we were so experienced in, in the process of it, 
and even then like there's a lot of things that fell through for us there's a lot of things that didn't work out we had to scratch some money that didn't pan out didn't invest um you know there was a lot of uh recruitments or recruiters that we we brought in and you know those people didn't pan out as well so yeah you know we're always growing we're always going to be making those mistakes right but i think the most important part of, about all this is we both understand that there's a sacrifice that needs to be made if you don't sacrifice in building whatever you're looking to do, whether it is, it is a business or building health or building a relationship, if you don't sacrifice and see the, 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 you know, the work behind it, it, it's never going to work out. I mean, there was times that I, didn't, I missed a lot of things that my kid did or family events or sleep or just personal time. Like my personal time is shit. Like we talk about this all the time. I was like, I'd be lucky if I get 30 minutes throughout the day to take a breath, you know? I always laugh at this. <laughs> And my girlfriend Lisa is here in the back, and she'll test this too. Like, we don't really watch much television because, like, by the time it's like nine o'clock at night, it's like I can't stay up that late anymore because it's like it's going to start all over again. <laughs> but there's the weird part about like when you know when you're getting in the groove and you're finding something great's happening, yeah. you almost don't care anymore. It's like I know the long term vision, and that's one thing. I, every time I talk to you guys about what's going on, you guys have never once shared with like, oh, here's all we accomplished. It's always talking about the next thing that's coming. Never about like, oh, I'm buying this or I'm doing, it's always like, and we're trying to do this and we're trying to do this. Like that's always the force that you guys are thinking on is the distance of it. Um, I think one of the, as Alejandro is my realtor, like the attention to detail you guys have here is insane. Mike, I think you actually, cause you've used this before and I want to steal this from you. Can you walk through the analogy of the sodas? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, we talk a lot about brand building, you know, because that's, that's what we are. Like individually, we're building brands just naturally. That's what social media did, right? And then, like, us as a company, we're building a brand, and that's what we talk to our agents about. So there's a, a simple test that I just randomly came up with to help people understand how important it is to be the first person someone thinks of for whatever industry. And we'll just stick with real estate because that's what we do. So when we're speaking to our realtors, I'll ask them, all right, what's the name of pop company? Pepsi. Second one. Coke. Third. Dr. Pepper. Pepper right. And which is funny because like 50% of the people can't name a third. The point of asking that though is that if you're not Pepsi in people's minds, they're not going to call you. It's as simple as that. Coke's not getting the business unless Pepsi screws up. But Pepsi's always that first call. And then if you're Dr. Pepper, right, like there's a chance they don't even know who you are. But Statistically, people know three realtors, people know like three financial advisors, like, yep. you know, just from referrals or whatnot. But if you're not the first person, like the chance of you ever getting that business is so slim. And that's why you got to have that commitment to be in the first person people think of. Do you think, this is something I'm talking about a lot lately, do you think people underestimate to the, di the distance between good versus great? Like people think good versus great is this far apart, like really close, but how to be in your guys' field, right? There's a ton of realtors right now. Being good versus great, like how many how many things create that distance is a lot more than people actually give it credit to. Like they might only notice one or two things, but the amount of work you're doing on the back end to create the right. good versus great product is so far. It is. Yeah, it is. And I think times like this where you have markets that are like adjusting and balancing out, you're seeing the good versus the great because the good ones are kind of like freaking out. And the great ones, I'm like, well, I've done very well. I know how to take care of, of my clientele. I'm going to be fine. 
Yeah, and it, you know what? It's definitely field related, right? Like every every field, every industry is different. In real estate, unfortunately, and thing that we complain about all the time is that the barriers of entry are so minimal, right? Like you literally just need a couple hundred bucks, take some classes, pass a couple exams, and you're a realtor, which is insane, right? Biggest financial decision in people's lives, and here you are, barely, you barely have that, but just a pulse. Essentially, you can be a realtor. So like. Knowing that and how many realtors there are in the industry, like you have to find a way to be great. And what we explain to our agents is like, here's all the stuff you got to do. And a lot of it's on the back end and your clients don't see all of it, but you got to have systems and checklists and all this stuff in place and be on top of it with every single client, buyer or seller. And then what we call is just rinse and repeat. Like every single person needs to get the exact same customer service from you. And the reason why is because if like Cody, if you refer me someone, right? Like we work together, right? I know Alex is your yeah. realtor, but like let's say I helped you with something, right? And I gave you some credible customer service. Now you're gonna recommend me to everyone. You're gonna talk, oh my god, Mike's amazing. You gotta yeah. call Mike, right? He he's the Pepsi. Call Mike. And if I don't give those people the same exact service that yep. I gave you, when they go to give my name as a recommendation, they're gonna be like, well. Yeah, Mike, Mike was okay, you know, like he didn't do these things that Cody told me he did, but he was pretty good. So maybe you should reach out to him as opposed to like, oh no, you have to only call Mike, only call Mike. Like there's a huge It gap. seems subtle, but that's such a, a big difference gap. in how it's yeah. going to play out. Yeah. And that can attest that to you. I'm a huge Remax Next fan. I got, I still have the coffee mug of coffees for homeowners. Mm-hmm. I still love that. It's the, at least it's the big mug. Um, the, and I'm right, this isn't even like a paid ad. We don't even do ads on this podcast. The attention to detail when I was buying my place, like I probably like there was never a single moment where I wondered, I wonder what's going on with this. That never happened. And there's more I knew about that. Like there's stuff I stole from Alejandro that I use in my own practice now of just the extreme attention to detail. And there's never a wonder like what's going on. That never once happened. And even after, like, you know, I sort of like, you know, after it's done, like you probably never hear from your, you know, real driver again. Alejandro and I are friends, so like there's a little bit of a nuance here, but even outside of that, like month afterwards, like, hey, how's the place? Even six months are like, hey, how's everything going still? Like, dude, the transaction closed six months ago and this guy's still calling. And that's something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. The you know, we can we can talk about the grandiose things that you guys are doing next, which I'm really excited about and we'll segment onto that. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the question, going back to the work you guys put into this thing. Obviously, there's no substitute for the work. You cannot cheat that. But sitting here right now, what's one thing you wish you knew five years ago that would have been immensely helpful in maybe expediting the process to getting where you are now? Ooh, probably being younger. (laughs) Younger to do it. (laughs) Um, That's a tricky one. I don't know. That's a twofold to me because... I'm very grateful for the the five month journey. Let's say everything that happened in five months because I've learned from that, right? Like I, everyone makes mistakes or there's some things that don't pan out. Like I welcome that because then I realized that I couldn't, you know, I knew my bandwidth or I knew what not to do, what to do. I I wouldn't have learned or learned that if it didn't happen. Actually, mm. If that makes sense. Totally. Um, I mean, I think mentally, educationally, I think there's more that I would want to learn in detail in order for me to be put in those positions to achieve more or be in a better position to uh, influence. Um, that would probably be the one thing it changed. But uh, naturally, like, 
if things happen the way they were supposed to happen, it's like, all right, well, then I learned if, if it messed up or it was a, was the wrong thing to do, I learned, all right, maybe I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Alex. I, with, with, with that, it's like, I think there's things that when you look back and go, I could have done it better, right? Like, I'm glad it happened the way it happened, but we could have done it better. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like little things, like stuff we've implemented that we fast forward and go, why didn't we just do it this way from the beginning when we're now just doing it, like how we're doing it? Like, that, like, it was one of those things that it's almost like it was a no-brainer, but we just, our brains didn't function at the time when we implemented something, and now we're like, well, we got to fix that mistake. But it was a mistake worth fixing, right? Like, yeah. And, and if you don't make the mistakes, like, you're not going to grow from them, you know? Like, and I, I tell this to, you know, I told this to Alex, too, is like, if I didn't have that first partner, I wouldn't appreciate this guy, you know? And to mm. me, that would be like, like, when you said it, the first thing that popped in my mind was, oh, my ex-partner, but actually, like, I contribute a lot to where we are today and how our relationship is, is just based on seeing what that old partner was like and just how that's not how a partnership should be. And it's not what I wanted. It was never going to help this company grow. So that had to happen so that I can find Alex and vet Alex and, and ask him these questions to make sure that he's the guy who's going to be here going forward. Like that has to happen. If mm. that doesn't happen, yeah, who knows? Maybe we're not partners right now. He's just an agent here. I mean, those are the things that's like not worth pining over. It's actually worth celebrating more than anything. Yeah, it's like those mistakes and those those uh, you know they, they turn into victories, and that that's the biggest part. The biggest part about them is like without them, it's like it can all be peachy, right? Like, right. Nobody's just successful, wakes up successful. Nah, you gotta gotta make those mistakes, you know? The the more and longer I've come to find running my own practice, do you guys ever think about, you know, the same, like the pursuit of happiness, but rather the pursuit is the happiness. Like it's all the stuff that we talk about all the time. It's just like, oh yeah, I've dealt with that before. Like you guys ever deal with this? Yep. All the time. Yeah. All the time. The journey, I guess the journey in the last two years or three years, it's pretty awesome because we were on the third floor in the shitbox office. Yeah. <laughs> like, we came down here. We grew. We have, like, you know, 60 agents now. And it's just, like, the journey that happened every single year, that was the fun part of it. And it flew by so fast because, like, I, I mean, I had a blast. I'm having a blast. Yeah. <laughs> and that's oh, the best part about it. That's, I mean, that's what, what the um, – to be fulfilled in life, you know, you got to find and follow your passion, yeah. right? So, like yeah. – that's what we're doing, you know, like we're passionate about this. So it's like, we might work a hundred hours a week, but I don't feel like I work a hundred hours a week, you know? Like totally. I think you guys, do you guys believe this would exist either, uh, in the prime conscious or subconscious that there's this theory I'm starting to study now where it's called the expectational outcome. And you know, a lot of like people starting kind of our lines of work might wonder if this is for me, like, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But when you're cranking out a hundred hours a week and truly giving max effort, your brain starts to think, it's irrational for me to think this won't work, right? Right, Because it's just like, I can't, I think when you really start to push yourself that far out, right, and really give it your all, that worry of the doubt starts to subside because then you're holding yourself in your head to where even if this thing blows up, I can walk away saying I truly gave it my best effort, but most people are not willing to go to the fourth year, right? Yeah, no, and it's, it's funny you say that because I mean, this year, I think even, even after all this, grind and work and everything's been working well there's there's still a little hint of doubt that creeps into your mind naturally yeah without like you know you're a badass and we're doing this and we're grinding but there's still a little bit of doubt that comes in and that's where you literally have to kind of give it that extra gas and be like nope nope that, that, i'm not gonna let that thought come into mind 
but it is true. Once you're built that way and, w- and whatever you're doing, whether it's real estate or selling gum or whatever the case may be, if it's truly for you, it just becomes effortless, right? Like we look at athletes and like, how do these guys just go out and just give it their all and it's effortless to them? But no, it's, they've taken the time to build themselves that way. So it's no job to them. I think the best analogy I come with for that is an artist for someone who does paint by numbers. Like yeah. paint by numbers, you are literally going to paint the number, whatever that thing tells you to do. You're not thinking outside. There's no creativity. It's all done for you. So if you screw up, you just go, oh, I'm just going to, you know, kind of do fix it a little bit. Yeah. But as an artist, they don't know what they're painting is going to be right they're going to put their brush strokes in places and if it doesn't look good they're going to just tweak it make the adjustment pivot or do whatever so that the final outcome is beautiful but the steps on the way it might have been ugly as hell like they mixed the wrong paint and all of a sudden it's brown well i wasn't going to have brown here but what if i did a different landscape and now brown fits right like that's those are people that are the artists they're the ones that it doesn't matter if something happens Cause they're going to take that and go, okay, how do I spin this? How do, how do I either make this work or how do I just go, okay, well now we're going down a new path, I guess. Right? Like there's just no straight arrow that they go on where someone who just paid by numbers, it's, it's a straight arrow, right? Like there's no deviation, yeah. and there, that's why they don't like their, their creativity doesn't come out. So they don't like, they're not going to make it essentially. It helps you so much in life too. Cause you have to get creative in so much what we do. Like how are we, are you going to pull this off? Yeah. In, We'll have to do this as a bonus episode one time, almost as like a fun thing. We won't have time to dive and do it now, but I almost think we could go through like a whole episode of talking like the trick, like the trials and tribulations of just like getting this thing off the ground for everyone here. And people would sit there listening to the episode and being like, I would never want to do that. But then we would look at it and someone came up to us on the street. Like, I don't even have to ask you guys, if someone came up to you on the street, like, would you do it all over again? It's the thing where it's like, yeah, give me a pen. I'll sign it three times over and I'll do it again and again and again. Um, with the biggest part of this, so it's kind of like teasing this whole thing through of how we're getting to this part is you guys are staying on the gas right now. So inherently, right. You hear like this different real estate numbers. You can bind the news plug once again, as I tell everybody in both what I do and the same thing as what these guys do. If you turn on the news every day and they said, everything's going pretty good. Like, Hey, not a lot of worries going on. The news company would run out of money. Keep this in mind. But inherently, right, like, obviously it's not like a, there's still opportunity everywhere, right? And so can you guys share with me the thought of, you hear all these people like, you know, easing off the gas. I think Elon Musk was on a different podcast this week talking about, hey, you know, rain in the hatch, you know, I'd avoid margin debt. Funny how he got margin called two days later. So I think he knew it was coming, but he knew it was coming. And so there's that part of it. And people are like, well, let's, let's ease off the gas and let's not, you know, Let's not go too hard or, you know, let's really rein it in. You guys are taking the absolute opposite approach. And usually I'm always cautious or like, hey, you never want to be too far out on the other side. But this is a situation where I 100% agree with the mentality and the route you guys are taking with staying on the gas. Can you just share with me more on the mentality you guys are talking about on a daily basis and like what's kept you guys putting more gas in the fuel? Well, first of all, we ripped the brake booster out we cut the lines we got rid of everything and it's just going down the hill at this point um and i think that's the mentality of of, of like natural entrepreneurship is hey if i don't have if, if when is the perfect time to do this if i don't do this now then when mm-hmm. and if i fail then hey at least i tried it 
You know, that's that's the mentality that we have. There's opportunities that present, present itself. You work through them. Hey, this is a great time to do this. Let's push it. We don't think about, well, you know, there's obviously conversations and considerations of what's going on, right? Because all that are factors. But at the same time, when people are flocking away, there's always going to be an opportunity, right? I mean, you see this in the course of history, in times of wars, in times of, of uh, famine. There's unfortunately, there is people that, you know, make a living from that or opportunities that come from that. Uh, and it's the same thing here. It's something that we aspire to, to create. And um, going into the next venture that we're looking to do, we realized that, yeah, obviously the market was, you know, doing something different. But like the news, we don't, we see the numbers. We see what's going on. Yeah. We were in the trenches. And for those folks that, you know, are just stuck on the media and kind of seeing everything what's going on, that's one perception. And that's not the, the ideal perception to do. And you, you preach to your, your crowd all the time about it. I, I, it's thought that I always have. Alicia, from the background, employers are still paying paychecks every two weeks, right? Yes. And people still need to keep spending money? Correct. The money has to go somewhere. It's not like money just vanishes. If you study modern economics, money comes into people. People spend money on different things, items, and goods. It goes to the business. The business then pays the payroll back to Pete. It's a big cycle. The money has to keep going. So I think people, I love your guys' mentality, right? If not now, when, right? And they'll say, well, Elon Musk says this or this. It's like, that guy's got a 70%, what is it, market share in the market? Yeah. That is a different thought. What you're doing right now is you're taking that thought and using every, that your brain's trying to find the one crutch it can lean on and say like, well, I heard this over here. And so that is gonna tell me I shouldn't even start something. You're never gonna get a perfect condition. And if you do get a perfect condition, as I've always said, you'll have waited so long mm -hmm. to get that perfect condition that the amount of time you would have wasted, it didn't even matter. Yeah, and most of those people that are pulling back have a short-term vision. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, if you're only focused on the next 12 months, it's easy to pull back. But if you have big visions, you know, big goals, then you can't pull back because you're not because you're going to actually slow yourself down from achieving what you want to achieve. Like, it makes no sense. It's counterproductive. So if you see the people that have really audacious goals and big goals, they always push forward, no matter what, whether it's a recession, it's a great economy, they're always pushing forward. Because realistically, and if you look at like Buffett, my favorite thing about him is that he, he loves recessions. He talks about it all the time. Best opportunity to buy. I'm gonna spend more money because everything is cheap. Yeah. Like the, the people that are rich in this country are rich for a reason. They, they know when to keep pushing when everyone else pulls back. So in our mind, we just don't have that mentality of pushing yeah. or pulling back ever, you know? And it's like, if you set big enough goals and if you have a vision for your future, like there's, there's no reason to ever pull back. You're never going to achieve it. If you're, we, you're only young enough in, in your life, whether you're a man or woman, you're only young enough at this point in life when you're 20 to the time that you're 40. Those 20 years are precious years. And if you're not hustling and you're not taking risks, you know, and you're not going all in then what are you doing? What are you gonna wait for 40 years old or 50 or 60? At that point, that's a whole different lifestyle change. 100%. You know, so to, to us, it's like, hey, you know, like we have this opportunity, we built it to this point, let's keep on pushing, let's keep on pushing. You know, obviously we're very careful in, in understanding, all right, you know, there's some slow areas, we gotta slow down here, we gotta do this. We're very calculated in that aspect, but we're moving forward. <laughs> Alex, and, and you just nailed it, calculated. You know, it's not, we're not just throwing caution to the wind. Like, 
we sit down, we analyze things, you know, we run the numbers, we project out, you know, and go like, what's this going to look like in three to five years or in 12 months? Like we're, we're literally thinking like, how do we keep our risk as low as possible with the most amount of maximum? Does that, is that going to work? And if you sit down it's simple math and once you figure that out, you go, okay, well this really, it, it seems like a risk and it might in the short term, but in the long term, it's not going to be a risk because it's a calculated decision. 100%. Who does a business plan? And like when you guys do your 2023 business plan, did you guys expect to take a loss? Like, oh, we're projecting we're going to lose 20% of our growth. Like, no one does that. No. It, it, I guess the final springboard piece, and if we talk about, because when Alex originally kind of mentioned to me the idea, I was like, that makes sense. And then I thought about it and thought to myself, it makes sense, but I don't know anyone that's ever done it. And so I love the fact that you guys are the only people I know doing this. Can you guys speak? I don't know if it's allowed to speak on Moto right now. Is that allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who who came up with the idea? I'm curious. About uh, I don't like, know. I think it was Mike mentioned it or it's, yeah, it was an it was, email or something. It was something that's been on the radar. Let's just say for a long time. Like, you know, we when we talk about what we want, like so for anyone that's listening, like Next is our brand, right? So like Remax, Next is a part of that. Next Blueprint or Education Company, that's a part of it. But next is the brand. So for us, we see this as like another extension of the brand. So Modern Mortgage Next, you know, it was basically like about a year plus ago. You know, I'd heard about it. It's it's a Remax product. So, you know, we see these things and it's always been on our radar. It's like, all right, this is something we should have to consider doing because first of all, no one has ever bought a franchise, like a, a lending mortgage franchise before, right? So. To see that there was an opportunity there and we just thought like well let's do it like let's run the numbers let's see what it looks like and it made perfect sense you know and it fit the other thing too is a couple things with it like one it fit the fit the criteria like we have a criteria one it's got to benefit the agents if it doesn't benefit our agents like it's not going to help because they're ultimately the ones that it's it's really going to they're going to use like they're going to use these people it's got to benefit here so like does that work, right? What are the costs associated with this, right? Like, can we get a better deal with it? And then once we kind of went through all that, like it, it seriously made perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, and I think in the changing world of, of economics and the way that people are buying and selling nowadays, the next generation of buyers are completely different, right? We have millennials, you know, obviously overtaking the, the buying industry, but then we have the Gen Zs coming up. And Model Mortgage Next has been a niche that is, I think in the market is it's a niche now, but I think it's something that's going to market's going to be needing in the future, mm. because the amount of products and the amount of flexibility and the freedom and just the savings that it gives that consumer, it is ten tenfold. And in a world of mortgages, and you have your, you know, your your big big box uh, retailers out there, you know, those those have those products and they're here to stay and they have a market for them, but the wholesale market of what a model mortgage does is really gives control and really gives a different perspective to that different type of buyer, to that entrepreneur, to that, hey, I, maybe I have two, three businesses and I get paid differently, or hey, I'm looking to do something unique. Outside of the box thinking is wholesale thinking, and that's pretty much what Modern Mortgage yeah. is. So, like, so when, we, when it came up with like, uh, the idea, we're like, okay, you know, how does this look in the future? Like, what's our future look like? And we know which way it's going. It's way more entrepreneurial based. The Gen Zs are even crazier on that entrepreneurial. Like, they're not. It's not corporate America as much anymore. Yeah. Right. So, like, 
the basic products that we've seen for the last 20 years, you know, they're, they're not as uh, relevant anymore. So when we came across this, we're like, all right, what are the consumer, what's the consumers going to look like in the future? We go, okay, well, this makes sense because this conforms to what the future looks like. Like if you're going to do a business, you got to think far out, right? Like what's it going to look like in 10, 20 years? Who's your your client? Who's your client? Who's the consumer? Who's going to use this product? What are they going to be like? And we study the generation after us. We, We know the millennial generation or millennials. So it's like, if you just spend some time and study the market and the future market that's coming, like this was a no brainer. But do people actually want to put the work in to do that though? No. Like think no. about how we can go to like it's right boring now. shit, man. Totally, but it's saw in the boring wood. Shit. Like no one wants to saw wood. It's crazy. Wow. We can go, it's Friday o'clock, it's Friday, you know, whatever time it is. You go to, and we're in the city. I bet you take four more hours, right? We start going to different bars and just have like ears open. How many guys are talking about businesses they're going to start or great ideas that I guarantee you the moment you wake up in the morning, that idea is gone. But the difference is about you guys is that you're crazy enough in the best way possible that when you you mentioned to me that you were doing it, there was never a thought in my mind of like, oh, he's just saying it. It's like, they're going to do this. And I'm just curious to watch the journey of how they're actually going to do it because it's pretty cool. Yeah, don't get me wrong, man. There was some times where I'm like, fuck, I think we we bit too much here. <laughs> we bit too much. But then we realized, I'm like, uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's make some pivots and make some changes yeah. here. I forget <laughs> yeah, where I read it. There was some, I forgot, oh, man, it was, I read too much. I, uh, or I shouldn't say that. I should never say you read too much. <laughs> but there was something I read that they said, like, you know, on average, like, you know, a lot of people don't start actual companies or do an idea as they have because they think someone else has the idea, right? And they did like a study and something like let's just say a thousand people might have the same idea of that thousand people like 10 might actually go for it and of that 10 one will probably actually see it all the way through so it doesn't matter if you've got this crazy idea and you think other people have it the chance of anyone actually following it all the way through is so minimal it makes sense to do it because if you don't like Someone else is, right? So you might as well be the person. Somebody else is going to eventually do it, so might as well be yeah. Right. I always, I sometimes think, because I hear like a lot of ideas all the time that people want to start. And like there will come a time where there's an idea where like one of my clients tells me about, and I'll get to a point where I can like delegate enough of my work where I can do the next business I want to start. Side note, I'm 11 years in. I have not started a second business yet. What Alex and Mike are doing makes a lot of sense for the business. It's kind of like, hey, we are a car wash and now we're going to open up a detailing center that makes sense i want to pivot to the general economy right now that starts a business for two months selling ice cream and now all of a sudden things are going to open up an auto body shop don't do that um the the so here enough ideas where eventually one day i'm going to tell a client like okay that's actually it and i'll ask him like hey can i follow up with you in like a year or I'll have them like a promise, like that's an awesome idea and I actually think I want to pursue that. Can we make a deal if you don't start it, anything progress in a given year when we talk again, I can take it and run with it, right? Because it's just like, because most of the time I thought someone was going to do it. Um, awesome episode, guys. Now, Alicia would be super upset if we didn't ask the favorite closing question. You know, everyone's always like, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever gotten? We always end the show with what's the worst piece of business advice you guys and it's always funny it sometimes comes from people that don't even own a business too but what's the worst piece of business advice you guys have ever gotten i would say i would say it so it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of a story that goes back to me when i was uh 
just getting started as a realtor. So I was like, I was like two weeks in and I was at my parents' house, of course, I just moved back from Boston and I, uh, my, my house had, I had a room, right? And it was pretty much just like a bed, a dresser and like a desk that was like tucked in the corner. And I'm at the desk, I'm working, I'm just writing stuff down and the, my door opens up and my parents always knock. So yeah. when, when I saw my mom, I knew something was up. And uh, it wasn't like a very casual open, like it was intentional how she opened that door. And I just kind of looked, turned around and look at her and I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, she didn't even say hi. She's like, are you gonna get a job? And I'm like, in like my mind, I'm like, I'm a realtor. I got a job, you know? I'm like, uh, yeah, I got a job. I'm a realtor. And she just like, for like, there's like this five second pause and she leans in a little bit closer. And she goes, you don't have a job. You don't have a fucking income. And just turned around, slammed the door on her way out, and like I had this like hanging mirror that flung up, and I thought it was gonna shatter. And that, and then it's kind of like not business advice, you know, bad business advice, but like from that moment on, like I was like, I'm gonna prove you wrong. And that's from the years forward, it was all me just driving to prove my mom wrong for a long time. Dude, if you, this is actually really interesting you mentioned this, because you're Polish, right? Yeah. Yeah, so same here. Um, one of the biggest months I ever had, like I worked a boatload and I remember like finally, like, you know, we like collecting revenue off of that. I remember calling my dad cause he owns a business as well. I'm like, like dad, I was like, I remember it was 22 or 21 at the time. I remember calling my dad and be like, dad, like, you know, here's like, you know, the revenue I was able to bring in this month. He's like, okay. And he's, and I was like, hmm, it's weird. And he's like, how many hours are you working every day? And I was like, a lot. So like, I was like, he's like, give me a step. And I was like, I'm probably working like 12, 10, probably 12 hours a day. It's like, all right, how much like is that revenue for? I was like, God, oh, it's like, I guess if we run over a two hour, like, let's just take two weeks, I guess, um, of time. So it's like, all right, so you're working like 10, 12 hours a day, a couple hours on a Saturday. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, hey, you basically made less than minimum wage. And I remember <laughs> sitting there thinking about this and being like partially crushed. And then, uh, you know, like Johnny Power from like the Fantastic Four, he yeah. goes flame on. Yeah. At that point, it was like game on. And I was yeah. able to use that rage for like eight straight years. And like, I never even talk about it really, but like that just burned a hole in me that like viciously, like it didn't oh, matter really? to me. Yeah. And even then, like you got to a point now where it's like, no one else like, oh, are you going to get a job? And it's like, hey, how do you like your job? Because guess what? I work probably more than you do, but like I have more freedom than you do in the weirdest way. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What should I like, give us your worst piece of business? Uh, it's, it's twofold because one... I've I've grew up in a circle or my social circle in my environment where no one had any advice of anything to give to me at all. When I was building this business or anything, like there was nobody there that really helped me, encouraged me, tell me bad but nothing. I was just kinda like, ah fuck, I'm gonna have to figure this shit out. The fucking internet gave me some advice. Right. Uh, and then, you know, you meet people along the way, you know, I, I meet other peers, I met Mike and, you know, Mike, you know, obviously is, is a godsend to me. But the one thing that started from the beginning to, to that is my, my father actually gave me a, 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 a one piece of advice that can translate to it. And, and when I was younger, you know, I was 12, 13 years old and it was summers, like he didn't believe in, you know, daycares or summer, summer camps, none of that. He's like, oh, you're off of school? Get your ass up at five in the morning. You're going to work with me. And my dad was, a, you know, he's a laborer. He's a contractor. So he's out there and digging holes and putting sod and planting trees. And he did that for 41 years. I mean, 
you know, he, God bless his heart, he just needs a shot at this point. Yeah. And at 12, 13 years old, he started getting me up five in the morning and I would fucking just, dude, leave me alone. I would just fight it, fight it for so long to the point where he would beat my ass for not getting up. I was like, get up, we got to go. And, and I hated it. I hated it for so many years. I worked for like for him for six, almost seven years. And it wasn't towards the end where I started kind of getting used to it. And he, and he snapped at me because it was one summer I just did not want to do anything. And he freaking, he slapped me in the face. He slapped me in the face and he threw a shovel at me and he told me, he's like, look, man, he's like, you have no fucking idea. He told me this in Spanish. Sounds better. <laughs> you have no fucking idea what you're trying to, what I'm trying to do with you here. Because what has happened to you in the last seven years is to, for you to learn and understand how to work with your hands and your back and the sweat off your forehead so you can figure out how to work like that with your mind and once he told me that I was like holy shit this whole time he was teaching me a lesson he was, yeah. he was giving me this advice being like look learn how to work learn how to beat your body up like I am because I'm stupid I didn't go to school so you can figure out not to do that and ever since then man I was up at 4.45 I was like pop I'm ready to go I got your coffee let's roll and I admire him for that my dad was a man of few words but that one thing I will never forget and that advice I've taken on to this point, and then nobody told me anything, and then I met Mike. So there yeah. we go. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. No, this has been honestly one of my favorite episodes. You got to see. I knew it was gonna be great. I didn't know how much fun we were gonna have doing it. It's crazy. I had a show note. Alicia helped me write his house. It's seven bullet points with like three words on it. We didn't even need anything more than that. Um, guys, this was a great time. We'll probably have to do something like a once a year like roundtable with this and just yeah. talking like the psychology of the business. This is really cool. Anything you guys want to add before we sign us off of here? No, just, uh, you know, anybody who's out there who's looking to invest, who's looking to put their money into work, don't be afraid. Don't listen to the people who have probably never done anything in their life. Trust the professionals. Trust the people who have been doing it. Um, you know, like I said, there's, there's a ton of opportunity out there for everyone and anyone in any given time. It's just a matter of taking that first step, you know, educating yourself and, you know, really taking that, that leap of good faith, that's step number one. That's probably the hardest one because at the end of the day, when shit comes to, you know, shit hits the fan, there's nobody that's coming to your door to pay your gas bill but you. <laughs> now say, shoot for the stars, land on the moon. I always love saying that. And then ignore the haters. They're gonna, there's plenty of people are going to try to talk you out of stuff. Don't listen to any of them because they've never achieved anything in their lives probably. That's a good point. You guys actually mind if I throw one more extra in here? Yeah. yeah this out? All right. So isn't a well, actually not a question. I just want to throw one point. So like kind of Alejandro, what you mentioned, like right now, if you're in a service-based business of any sort, right, a lot of people are looking for people to agree with their panic. And when people are looking around and they're scared, make sure they start, they start looking around and they look at you. Make sure you're the foundation of calm and collective because they'll remember that, that you didn't panic. And that's what separates good versus great. Thanks, guys. It's been awesome, fellas. Thank you.